Hello. Hello. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good to good. see you. As we've yeah. already established, it's been several years since we've seen each other. Yeah, too long. Not a lot's really been going on in the world. Uh, <laughs> so don't got to talk about any of that. Mm-mm. But uh, shit. Brando. Brandon Martin. Good to In see the you. building. Make Very some noise. Cheers to that. Let's have a little sip of this uh, beverage here. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yep. Thank uh, you. Oh, you're very you, welcome. You took my uh, <laughs> my desire for a sour and it hit the note. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, we're drinking some uh, Two Rivers Violet from Logson Farms, Farmhouse Ales, Washington State, where they... Uh, wa- one of the, it's an obnoxiously Washington State name. It's like Washagool, Washagal, Washagal, Washington, <laughs> whatever. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, tart farmhouse ale brewed with Malbec grapes. Okay. Yeah. So you're getting a little bit of that wine, yeah, sort of characteristic, fruity, smooth, refreshing. This is our beer podcast. Because <laughs> you know what. I start am, the wheat. Start the wheat. That's really <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> I am, uh, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm, I, I've been feeling like somewhat like I've been like really creative lately and doing a lot of things, but also like struggling like like with the, the idea of just being like creatively bankrupt to in, to some degree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I got like really just like burned out by other people so i've been kind of like isolating a little bit more and creating like in like an isolated bubble which has been nice for me i'm like having a bit of a hard time working with others recently i don't really know what that's all about and i don't know what does that if this really has anything to do with you as a person (laughs) i'm just venting no i could be your therapist the 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 liquid is flowing and thoughts are pouring and yeah how have you been Less I'm, about me, more about you. Since last time I saw you, it's been quite a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, COVID took away my job for a long time. What? What's that? My you, job? Well, no, no. What did you say? What was that's that word? COVID. Yeah. What is uh, that? It's this virus. That's I haven't been heard going about around. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously, you. Uh, for those that don't know, you thrive and make a living in America with whatever living in America means these days, uh, being in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. making sound happen. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, all these see... people, all these people have their, their hopes and their dreams and they put them in your hands and you got to make it sound good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you weren't, able, it. you weren't able to obviously work for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, luckily things have come back. Um, not as strong as it was pre pandemic, but enough for me to to make a living again yeah um so i've been uh working with uh two wedding bands exclusively um no bad juju for the past year and the move makers for a little bit longer than that oh like just running sound for like weddings and things like that yeah uh those two two bands do also corporate gigs so okay like you know business um you know like corporate parties yeah like a holiday party or sure, something sure, like sure. that and um, I'm also working for uh, Flyspace here and there. That seems like that whole like uh, private band for hire sort of thing. I mean, like that seems like a really good gig to get into. But I yeah. imagine that's a really weird world to be in 
especially being somebody like you that's come from like the, you know, the dingier concert club yeah, side of yeah. things. And also it's probably wild because you never know like what situation you're getting into. I imagine with some of these places, you're probably like bringing in all this shit and mm -hmm. just gotta, I don't know. It seems like a challenge, but you're one for the job. You know uh, how you know how rooms work. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the like wedding rooms are terrible. Like the standing <laughs> like bass waves in it. It's like such a challenge to like make the room sound not muddy. So I've learned a lot. Yeah, about dealing with those those rooms in the past year. It's so funny that like a lot of these like wedding spaces are like very um picturesque and beautiful and just like but from your perspective of things like it couldn't be designed any worse yeah 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 it's and, such a juxt juxtaposition of like all of this like beauty visually but it just sounds like a back alley dumpster yeah totally yeah. and then on the flip you can like literally have a show in a dumpster that sounds like <laughs> right, yeah the, the best <laughs> <laughs> That's happened quite a, quite a few times. Some of the like, you know, worst looking places sound the best. Totally, yeah. totally. I think that there's always, uh, you know, don't don't judge a book by its cover. Is is what the uh, the wise ones say. Yeah. So with, you know, we've talked bore like in it nauseum on the the podcast in previous times about your background and your influences mm -hmm. and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. So now, you know, after, especially after the past couple of years, right? Um, there's really no reason to keep putting yourself into this situation, working in the entertainment industry, unless like you really care. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you really care or is this just all you have? No, it, it, it really is a passion career and um these two wedding bands i've been working with are the easiest to work with and they have the best sense of humor so they really make the job very enjoyable and as far like most sound engineers would tell you that like the bands are usually cool but the public sucks mm. and they always come up to you with some random ass question that makes no sense like can you make the band play faster <laughs> really? That, yeah, you that happened to me once. <laughs> but luckily, working <laughs> it actually happened at James Street. Yeah. Um, and I what told, kind of show was it? It was like a. It a, was the Moat Rats. Really? Yeah. And uh, they were doing some like theme thing. I think it was like a disco thing, and they had some down tempo stuff. But like, it wasn't throughout the night, so like sh that person could have waited. But I just told her I was like, I don't have a knob for that. You know, this, is, this isn't Chuck E. Cheese. There's real human <laughs> beings on stage. But luckily with these wedding bands, like there's a buffer between me and the public. So there's like either a, a band manager that like deals with all the mm. logistics or it's the band leader that like kind of deals with the client and makes sure they're happy. And I just make sure the band's happy. And yeah, that's a beautiful relationship. No, I love um, the idea of like a full team and everybody doing their assigned duty. And mm -hmm. it just makes like this whole big, beautiful thing. Cause really in your position being like a sound engineer, like that's all you should worry about. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Right. Mm -hmm. So if somebody starts asking you to do something that like you can't do yeah. or that you don't normally do, it's like, well, you're going to do it half assed and it's taking away from 
something else you're already supposed to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes people just want to talk to you, which is not something you should be doing to somebody whose job it is to be listening to the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they want to ask you why you're holding an iPad, if you're taking orders. <laughs> somebody, somebody dropped a, or broke a glass on the dance floor. It's like, I don't work here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I could totally see where that's coming from with like some people because it's like, why should they know or understand yeah. what's going on? Like, why should they know what you're doing? Yeah. Um, I guess in a lot of ways, like what you do is like sometimes a bit of a thankless job in that regard. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you think I'm the the fucking I'm the janitor? Waiter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with being a janitor. I didn't mean to, you know, yeah. Not nah, it's just uh I I get it. I get that question no matter where I go. Do you work here? I'll be at a grocery store looking like this <laughs> in, a, in a public park. Where's the bathroom? I get a lot. You have you you do have like work here vibes. Is nice. this your podcast? <laughs> 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 That's really funny. I so, want to I want to know what vibe I give like what physically because I haven't figured it out because I I really don't want the question. Um, is it the way I carry myself? I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, like, if you gave off this vibe that you never wanted to be somewhere, I would assume that maybe you worked there. But <laughs> <laughs> you don't like give me that vibe, right? Uh, yeah, I really don't know what it is. I'm sure that maybe there's like a you're like a like an attention to detail type of individual. Yeah. So maybe when you're like picking out like what pasta sauce you want or like what you know brand of paper towels you need maybe there's an attentiveness to it that makes it seem as though you're like surveying inventory and yeah. not necessarily just going through the existential crisis of what dish soap do i buy mm-hmm. because there's a thousand different kinds of dish soaps right live engineering audio let's get back on track sure. i suppose <laughs> Um, this may be something that we've touched base on before, but I'm curious, like, how do you feel about, like, digital live audio versus analog live audio? Um, are you somebody that fears the future and romanticizes the past? Or are you very much on board with, you know, the modern technology? It seems yeah. like that's pretty much the case across the board. I've never met any live sound engineers or like been to a venue where someone's like, no, like we prefer the old stuff as far as like PA equipment goes. Yeah. But you get that with like music gear still, which is interesting. Like a lot of like guitar people and stuff like that still have this like romanticized idea of old inconvenient gear because it (laughs) sounds better to some degree. Yeah. Uh, Not to step on your answer, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do see that in a lot of older generation sound engineers that like grew up with the analog gear and there's like a huge technological hurdle that kind of creeps into programming a bit um, that I can see like where the struggle is to, to adapt. To yeah. It. The, the thing that fucks me up the most, like at least like the first time I was like in front of a digital console was like, it looks, you know, like all the knobs are situated in a way where it's like, oh, okay, this looks like a bunch of individual channels. And it can be, but also it's like, well, you can assign the whole board to one channel and now all of these knobs are 
adjusting gates and compressors and all this stuff. And it's like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. My brain's like, okay, that's, huh? You know, like the first time, like this is wild. And now like you get the hang of it and it makes sense. And it's really convenient. I basically have all the audio running through a computer of sorts and to have things. I mean, that allows you to make a room sound a lot better. Just having easy access to a good fine-tuned gate and all that stuff. I don't got to fucking tell you. You know what's going on. (laughs) What kind of consoles are you working on? I mean, I don't work on any consoles regularly. I don't run live sound. I've just been in positions. You have, though. I have. I mean, I've been in positions where, like, oh, like, I'm DJing at Brillo, and, you know, they don't have a sound tech that night, so I might need to just take five minutes to figure that out. Or, like, just being, like, in different places, but there's mm-hmm. nowhere that I do live sound on regularly. I couldn't tell you like what boards I've used okay. or anything, you know, probably like whatever, like the, it was like the, like an M32 or whatever. That's just like, that's like a common one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like some of like the, um, like the PreSonus studio lot li- studio live or yeah. Yeah. is that what it is? Cause I get, I get them confused with, uh, there's another, one that sounds similar to that, but anyways, this is we're getting real nerdy and real in depth. What do you prefer? I like that. Uh, <laughs> I've been working on the Yamaha QL series, okay, a lot, and their time base effects, their reverbs and delays. Like, the, oh, nice. That's it's cool. really hard to find that it has like a really good internal time base effects rack, and Yamaha really sings in that department. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't. I don't think I've noticed any venues that have a yamaha console but also like i don't know i don't always they're like, expensive oh really yeah like thirty thousand. oh and, that's and, a lot of money up. yeah 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 it's interesting like the the jump right now in like live audio and i guess a lot of audio in general because like you can get a lot of stuff for like dirt cheap and then a lot of stuff is like oh okay do i either get this you can get some like you know bottom shelf analog behringer mixer right for like you know 300 bucks mm-hmm. it's like i'll either get this or you know like an m32 which is like three grand a, yeah, yeah a big yeah. big price jump it's like i'm curious about like when that shift because it always happens with like technology where the price eventually gets down to a point Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, when that shift is going to be in, like, live audio. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know. I guess in, like, music gear in general. Because I feel like a lot of music gear is way more expensive than it should be. Yeah. The but, wireless stuff is surprisingly expensive. Yeah. Like wireless microphones and... Yeah, 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 um, yeah. In-ear monitors, especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's... Do you use this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now we're using... Um, actually, the not expensive ones, those uh, X Five brand. I haven't seen. It's those. like yeah, it's like X V I V E X Five. They're just like little um USB chargeable packs, and like the transmitter is just like a little like hub that plugs right into like an XLR jack. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they have like a very wide range, so I imagine In the frequency spectrum. You mean? Like, as far like, distance. Oh, okay. Um, And, like, all of the frequency stuff, it's, like, built in. Like, you don't dial in the frequency. It's, like, right. channels one through six. So, that you know, just put... So, it's locked into whatever is going on, which I imagine, in some scenarios, may create an issue, depending on room and space and things like yeah. that. 
But if we're being, you know, completely honest with ourselves in regards to my band, it's like, you know, we're playing smaller clubs, so we don't need like a ton of reach. And there's probably not going to be too much other weird stuff going on in rooms that we're playing. So it works for now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is like when I was looking into wireless stuff and in-ears, it's like, again, there's that jump. Like you can get that X5 set where it's like the transmitter and four receiver packs and plus like they also give you headphones that you'll never fucking use but it comes with them for some reason um (laughs) it's like i don't know like maybe like four or five hundred bucks for like the set pretty cheap like under a grand yeah but yeah between yeah so maybe they're 600 i don't know but it's cheap because like from there it's like the next deck bup would be like fucking galaxy audio stuff and that stuff's dog shit yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. And uh yeah, super inconvenient. Like I don't want to like still deal with like double A batteries and then have a product that doesn't work. This fucking flimsy antennas. Mhm. Yeah, even the expensive stuff you you run into some situations where like you can't find any available frequencies. There was this one house out in Imperial where um it was on a hill and then there was a big valley just in a 180 degree view of the valley from the house and another hill ridge around that valley and there's like six tv uh antennas around there and the band we were using was all taken up by those tv frequencies interesting yeah and this was like expensive like sennheiser like g4 Top of the line. Was this like at a wedding gig or? Uh, it was another one of those yeah. like corporate. Party yeah. Okay. So that's why you're things. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's some fucking, uh, some fucking Illuminati <laughs> sacrifice, <laughs> sacrificial ceremony. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. With a serpent mound. Is that what the, <laughs> that thing is? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I've never had, that's the thing. I guess I've just never been in a, a situation where I've had issues, nor would I imagine it would ever happen. Yeah. But like what happens in that situation then? Like when you say like the because I am admittedly like a little bit ignorant when it comes to wireless technology and the frequencies and like mm-hmm. so when like a frequency is being taken up, like what happens? Is it just like transmitting stuff from those frequencies or do you just can't use it? Like it interferes I, with your equipment. Okay. So there'll either be like dropouts or it'll just be silent like in the in-ears, or you'll have like a really loud sound intermittently. That's not good. No, it's super (laughs) distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that uh, about a year ago, that place, and they just had to deal with that noise. Sure. And this year we were back at the same place, um, like less than a month ago, and I just brought in all my wired in-ear packs for them to use. And that that was the solve for that. Yeah. There the the um depends on the brand, but like you can get different bandwidths, like an A band or an A one band or a G yeah, band. I, I've seen that, yeah. And those are like you know from four fifty megahertz to five hundred megahertz, from five hundred megahertz to five fifty. And the band we were in was being taken up. So if we had a different product that was tuned to a different band, we would have been okay. Yeah, totally understand it. I find it um, like it's like intimidating, I guess, just being somebody that isn't aware of that stuff. And it's like, okay, like I'm looking at in-ear systems or wireless microphone systems and it's like, okay, it's like maybe like the money, it's a lot of money. 
And then two, like you see all that other shit and it's like, well, fuck, I don't want to buy the wrong thing. Like, yeah. how do I even know what I need? Uh, like, Sennheiser and Shore have a website um, that lets you type in like what city you're in and lets you know what, what TV stations are taking up which bands and they'll recommend you which bands you should buy. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Now, with something like those, um, like that, those X5 things that I was talking about, how do those work then? Because I mean, it's still going through a frequency, mm -hmm. but it's just going like channels one, two, three, four, five, six. So is that like a dumb way of just like, they just have like six generic frequencies programmed into it then? Do you think that's what's happening? Could be, but I think or a lot of the newer stuff that's like super compact, like those like just like plug on mm -hmm. things are digital, digital wireless which mm. operate on a 2.4 gigahertz uh, like Wi-Fi band. Okay. And that's a different like communication protocol, whereas um, with just radio frequencies, you're broadcasting and another thing is receiving. With digital wireless, they're both communicating, like sending and receiving information. And it's kind of like Bluetooth in a way. That's what I was going to ask. Is, yeah. is, it, is it like Bluetooth? Yeah, it is like that. So, okay. Like, like if like you get interference on a particular channel, it switches and communicates between transmitter and receiver until they lock on. So what would then, what are like the cons of that? If, or does it? Uh, probably range. I would say there'd be less range in, okay. in the digital wireless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've noticed like, so I, before I got the, um, the X5 system, I, I had a Galaxy Audio system, which is why I have personal beef with it because I've <laughs> I've dealt with with the struggle of it. And um, even though, I mean, I just, I didn't, th I, I mean, it worked well into some degrees, but there was just a little like curly cues, we'll call them, that I didn't like. Like, I mean, as far as range goes, like I could, you know, when I was testing it, like, you know, it's like in my basement where we practice and I'm like walking all throughout the house, walk down the street just for fun. Just like, mm -hmm. how far does this go? You know, but with the X vibes, if I'm like downstairs, if I walk up here and like if I go up to the second floor, then like it's already like starting to intermittently cut out just from being, you know, not that far away from it. But yeah, in yeah. a live application, I'm never not going to be, you know, more than fucking 15 or 20 feet away from yeah the, if you have line of sight like if you're not trying to go through walls yeah, yeah yeah or like steel beams which if you're in a lower frequency range like your wavelength is is kind of wide like you know like a foot to two feet so if you're trying to get between you know a 16 foot metal or 16 inch metal stud like it's not going to pass through yeah but if you're you know you can see it then mm -hmm. there's no no things in between it. Also, human bodies absorb a lot of ra radio frequency. That sounds so if healthy. You, like, if you set up your transmitter like right in front of house and you're trying to pass through 500 people, like you could test all right during sound check when nobody's there, but as soon as everybody gets there, it's like mm. shows a disaster. Yeah, yeah. I've had um, some interesting uh, situations happen with wireless HDMI because uh, so with like this... Uh, some like out of town DJ gigs that I do. Um, we like to have like um, like the venues will have like their projector stuff and like we project images and videos and stuff onto the screen. And I like to have um, control on stage 
for those images because I run them from a separate laptop. So I'm like changing the video stuff on the fly. But a lot of these venues like like House of Blues venues or some bigger Live Nation rooms, um, a lot of their projector controls are all at front of house. And not all of those venues are willing or feel like running a hard HDMI from the projector to yeah. the fucking stage. Some of them have done it and it's fine, but the ones that I noticed some venues weren't doing it. So I bought this wireless HDMI transmitter receiver thing off Amazon for like 110 bucks. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the most part, it works pretty good. Surprisingly, there's like a slight bit delay, but I'm not running audio with the video. So it's not a huge deal. Really? Um, like you don't, you'd never fucking notice it. I imagine like playing game video games or something on it. Wouldn't, Oh, definitely would be a nightmare. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we've had like issues in a couple clubs though where it like is working fine, then it starts to be a little bit goofy throughout the night. And I imagine that's also like a digital wireless sort of transmission, but it's probably more complicated because it's not just audio, it's also transmitting a video signal. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I mean, I guess if you can transmit things through the internet to us, then it's not that weird. But I was surprised that it works as well as it does, but it's been interesting to see the issues with yeah. it too. Um, I was having a really weird issue. Um, maybe you can help me out with this with wireless, but this was a wireless XLR. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the X five company also makes like, uh, they're basically like wireless mic adapters. Like, so you could just turn like any fucking dynamic or phantom powered mic. It does have like a phantom switch, but, um, into a wireless, right? Mm -hmm. But they also have like a mic and a line feature. So it's like, okay, well, I can just run these as like wireless XLR, um, which I've done that for some stuff. Like I did a, a wedding where like they had me uh, as like basically like on the clear other end, like it was like in like an old movie theater. So like I'm on like the top, like way in the back and mm -hmm. the speakers are on the stage. And there's like no fucking way that I can run cable down. So I use these wireless packs and the audio was fine there. Mm -hmm. So no issue. It worked. Great. Yay. But uh, I was just playing a show at the Fun House. And I was using the wireless stuff for my um, all my my my. Basically, I guess I'm trying to like describe my setup easily for what I was doing. Like I'm running all of this like synth stuff through like a pedal board setup mm -hmm. and I had it all connected via those wireless things just to save setup time. Right. But like, I kept on getting like this weird, like <laughs> out of nowhere and I couldn't get it to stop. And like, I could like turn off the wireless things and then mm -hmm. turn them back on and it would be fine for a second. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> so is that like, and it was like consistent, not even yeah. like, intermittent right so is that like an interference with sounds like a it. signal or like a power thing like i don't you know i i'm not sure it had never happened before but it made me like real nervous to use them again because Are you saying like, it's like always on or yeah, is it like, like it was always consistently intermittent no it was this consistently just like this weird like harsh harsh frequency uh that sounds the, like interference but like something within the building 
Yeah. You know, it was like really, really strange. Like at first I thought that maybe like, cause sometimes when I'm like, I have like a couple pedals on the board with, I'm like running a synth through it. I'll like fuck with it. And like, okay, like it gets gnarly. Like it's like an unpredictable glitchy effect. Right. So I'm like, Oh fuck that pedal really went wild. Right. So then I smack it off and it's still going. And I'm like, wait, what pedal's still on, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like trying to like turn the volume down on that. And like, we're still in the middle of a fucking set. So I have other stuff going on. Right. Wow. And I'm like trying to figure this out. And like, every time I like, just like, I think I like turn something off. I try something and then I turn up the output again, just enough that I can hear it going every time I was like, <laughs> Oh, it's still going. Like I just couldn't get the sound to stop. Yeah. But um, I don't know. You, you didn't try like changing channels on the wireless. I did. Yeah. I did try changing channels on the wireless and that didn't, that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm strange. not sure what it was. I know that's not really a incredibly productive story. You would have had to have been there. Yeah. Well, I, I guess mean, we're just talking about wireless issues. If, if it is on like a digital band, like it may be like a Wi-Fi router in the room mm. that's interfering with it. Mm. And I mean, turn, turning it off would be bad for the business. Yeah. Interesting. But I mean, that that could, you know, potentially help you troubleshoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, off that router and seeing if it still makes the noise. I think that what I need to do is just, I mean, like the funny thing too, like in this situation, like, the using the wireless connections, the only benefit to it is that like I can plug them in and turn them on before I'm on stage. Right. And then I get on stage and it's just like one less thing I have to hook up. But really like the transmitter and the receiver are only like three feet apart. Like I could just fucking buy four, three foot XLR cables mm-hmm. and just hardwire it. There's no, it's That's not the like, the, it's solution, not like the yeah. fucking wedding where the speakers are literally like a hundred feet away from me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You live and you learn. It's always fun. Like sometimes the digital stuff is beneficial and very helpful. And then in other times it's actually easier just to go with the simple, the the simple, the old school. Um, so speaking of like pop up sound, troubleshooting and things like that um i don't know if this is something that you want to get into or not but i'm just curious how you feel about uh the way some music festivals around kind of lean real heavy on local talent for bringing in sound last minute to you get what i'm saying yeah yeah um do you have any any weight on this i've been feeling really some type of way about it recently i don't care for it yeah obviously because it's like this is my job and like you know i don't want to say like oh you're taking business away from me because i really don't care about like the low level type you know speakers on sticks type of setup i mean i i do that every once in a while but it's like it's not really where my where my money's made. Sure, but uh, man, a lot of a lot of those situations don't turn out well. They don't. It's and it's I, feedback I, city. It's yeah, you know, nothing's mixed right. Yeah, um, I feel like so. This is my issue, right? And it's it's all down to okay. So 
you have something like uh, uh like a Deutschtown Music Festival, and I really have no problem. Yeah, but there's a for, lot of that. But, but I mean, it, it, Deutschtown's definitely not the only one mm-hmm. that that does this, right? But you know, with that event just happening recently, um, all like weather issues aside, I know nobody had control over that. But it's always seems like there's this thing where okay. We're going to book way more bands than necessary and have way more stages than necessary. And they never have, these aren't places that are built for live music by any means, which is fine. I get the, um, I get the idea of like, oh, it's fun to see a band play in an untraditional setting. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But like, it's very much just like, oh, the week of the show everybody mysteriously backed out and we need you to bring stuff. And it's like, there's part of me. It's like, did you ever even have anybody on board or do you know that you can just lean on people hard in the last minute and somebody's going to bring something? I don't know the answer to that. Even if it's like half-assed, you know, and it's just so, okay, that's one thing. The second thing that bugs me is that like, as a normie, Deciding that I'm going to go check out some local music for the first time for it to be presented in this light is really hurtful to everybody. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's like I get that, like, it's awesome to have all of these bands playing. But if you can't, like, present it right, you're better off having less because it's going to mean more to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. It's like I'm like, I wasn't even sure, like how involved if at all you were with like any of those types of events not um, really uh if it is a festival i'm usually doing like a huge line array system yeah 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 so it's it's pretty much always presented in the best best way yeah possible. i mean like that's the thing is like you'll have like sure like you know they have like the cool outdoor stages that you're usually equipped pretty well and like that's sick i don't think we need like much more than that yeah you know like did you go to Deutschland by the way I was out of town this past okay. week, so I didn't... Go. I've been trying to find somebody that has seen the space inside James Street and what they did with it, because apparently they had oh, some music acts upstairs. I saw one photo that somebody had posted of somebody playing in there, and it looked insanely different. Really? Yeah. I was like, is that... I was like That was the thing, is I saw it. Like I was just scrolling, and I was like, wait, is that James Street? And then I saw like, blah, 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 at James Street. I was yeah. like, oh, shit. What was different about it? Um, so it looked like there was like, so behind the stage, there was like windows yeah. that were exposed. Have those always been there? They were, um, before we renovated the ballroom, um, those windows were sometimes opened. Yeah. Um, to let, cause there wasn't any AC up there. So I didn't, I never remembered seeing those windows. And then this, I remember the stage was always kind of eclectic. Like it was a weird shaped stage. And I don't know maybe if it's been so long since I've been in there, but it looked like they had changed the stage somehow, but it still looked weird. Maybe it's the same. Well, it had like a long um, upstage. Yeah. Like that spanned the. uh, I threw my phone, but now I need it. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. And then there was a half circle in the in the front downstage. Yeah, I think it maybe maybe it's the same. Maybe they painted it. Uh, we'll find it. This okay. is gonna be a <laughs> this is gonna be a, a heavily edited and worked around episode for certain. Yeah, because I know my buddy Bill 
went down there and he fucking took pictures of like 10,000 bands. So it's like, <laughs> I feel like maybe he had posted it, but it doesn't look like it was him. I just went through his fucking Facebook feed. Who else was at Deutsch Town? I really don't know. I could probably just look for James Street, right? Actually, it doesn't fucking matter. The room's probably the same. It's probably the same, and I just don't remember it. But, but it looked, it something about it did look different. Were the windows, did it have like yellow um, insulation in them? No, it looked like they were like like windows, like sun was coming through them. Okay, so they must have taken that out because that's, yeah. that's what we did to renovate. It was plugged it up with um, Owen Corning 703, like sound. Oh, and then did you like put something on top of it, like a wall in front of it, or just block we them? We covered or, it with curtain. fabric. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. yeah. It looked like like anything that was behind, like that. It looked like all that fabric stuff had been removed, and then the windows just looked like they were just being used as windows to bring in light. I wonder if they got noise complaints. Did they ever get noise complaints? Deutschtown, uh, notably, one year. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I always it shut it shut down the stage for the rest of the night. Thank you. Interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I was sorry, we did That's a little right. foot thing. I um <laughs> I was always uncertain if like the noise complaints at James Street were ever actually a problem or if that was kind of like a, a fabricated thing. So there's been so many rumors about Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess I'll set the record straight. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, let's go. You would know. You were there. You were part of it. So noise complaints in general like won't threaten your business if they go through city police. However, some person in Deutschtown found out that if you complain to the PLCB that they can slap you with a nuisance bar label and strip you of your liquor license which is like $80,000. So after multiple threats from the PLCB, the owners decided that that is too much of a gamble and they decided to shut down and save themselves the loss of $80,000 and sell that liquor license. Understood. So that's why they shut down. Okay. <laughs> Got it. There's like murky, like, you know, oh, well, they just wanted to call it quits, like type rumors. And totally. it was never about the, I mean, it's partly because of, yes, the noise, the noise complaints. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, it's just the type of thing where it's like, I don't know. You hear what you hear. Yeah. The streets be talking. But I was, I was there and I was, yes. I mean, you know, the That's person responsible for noise in that room. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, like I had a lot of, people looking down to me like control the noise and it's like well i mean we can renovate and try and mitigate sound escaping the building which is what we did and then it still wasn't enough because the bass frequency still bled through now what we plugged up here's here's an interesting question right so okay if it was really a noise complaint thing right to go through the trouble of finding out about being able to report to the PLCB, right? That seems like was the do you think the noise was that bad that somebody just wanted it to stop or do you think there was like any sort of a like vindictiveness behind I mean that what had happened? That might be it, but after we closed down there was still a person complaining during Deutschtown. Interesting. It, the way it came about seemed like it was the same person. Okay. So one. So it wasn't just us. One one grump a dump, or or a couple or a couple. Yeah. Because there was one person that was like passing around PLC, 
PLCB like cards with a number on it saying like, if there's any business in this area that's causing noise and you don't like it, you can call this number. It Deutschtown or yeah. just in? Well, I mean, I know that one of the organizers of uh, of Deutschtown told me that. I don't know if it was that oh, okay. day, okay, but it was around the same time. Interesting. So, yeah. Why? I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I get it. Maybe to some degree. Yeah. I, I've believe it or not, I'm the type of person that's been annoyed once or twice in their life about various things. So, but the silly thing about that PLCB law is you can have amplified noise um, that escapes the property line. So, into the street off the sidewalk, and you're in violation. So any bar that has like a sports game on and a door opens, oh yeah, well, they're anybody, in violation. So anybody, everybody's in violation. Well, that's even even just asking somebody what will it be like you're gonna hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's the amplified amplified sound oh, is, is okay. the the trigger there, gotcha. and also the the property line thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's so many strange rules and regulations that come with the territory of owning a business that make it seem very frightening. Yeah. And that's a really old statute, by the way, that like came about um, during civil rights. Aren't most laws pretty old? <laughs> Some are new. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most. Most. And even the new ones, even, even, even a lot of the new ones are based on pretty old ideas, right? Yeah. But this one in particular was like they didn't want white women gallivanting in, you know, black neighborhoods. Okay. So that's that's where that law came from. Yeah. Gotcha. It needs to be revamped. Sure. I think that there's an interesting thing that happens, especially like in cities like Pittsburgh, where there really isn't like, I mean, we have a cultural district and like a hub that should be a place for like arts and live entertainment, but it's just not. Anytime anybody tries to fucking do something down there, it just fucking falls apart. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like the city really gives all that much of a fuck to like, fund and try to do this stuff and then things crack down where it's like the only options that we have are to do these venues that are also in these residential areas places like james street or cativo or spirit has been dealing with a lot of noise complaints too since like post pandemic oh, yeah yeah we um we had a um uh i did a dj gig there and um it had gotten like basically like the cops had shown up to the gig because of it being too loud and they had said that it was like a regular issue there and they were having they've just consistently had issues i don't know if maybe somebody moved into the area during them not having shows <laughs> or maybe somebody had been living there and you know they never realized how loud it was because they were so used to it and then you get two and a half years of no noise and then all of a sudden wait what yeah that happened with shadow lounge mm. you remember shadow lounge yeah, of course <laughs> It was in an area that like really didn't have a lot of residential, you know, places popping up. And then, I mean, I, 
I credit Shadow Lounge to really making that area popular. Absolutely. And then once it did, like all these high rise apartments started pulling in. And then, you know, people that moved in there because it was hopping didn't like how hopping it was. So they started complaining. Mm-hmm. Like it, it happens like a cycle. So like, yeah. I feel like Lawrenceville is like a, a really good example of that. That's been severely south side. Yeah, it's like, yeah, people people move there for the culture, but they only want the culture to exist when, like, they want it to exist on their schedule. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you, uh, it's like, say, like, somebody starts uh, dating a musician because it's like, I really like, you know, I like the, I like that you're creative and I like that you're doing this stuff and it's fun to go to shows. And then it's like, well, why do you have to go to band practice all the time? Why is your band playing shows? Why are you? It's like, I thought this was why you liked me. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking from personal experience. Okay. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just saying like yeah. that kind of stuff does happen where, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a fucking psychologist. I can't break that one down. Yeah. What, what goes into all that. But yeah, the, the noise stuff is hard and it would be like nice if there was an area like, we are able to actually have some venues like in the city in places it's gonna that have could to be, be like in industrial areas yeah and yeah. then they'll start putting residences in that well the funny thing about that is that like even when we were doing um shows at get hip which is in an industrial park mm-hmm. i mean like there we still got noise issues from the other tenants in the building even if we were doing shows like after hours like, oh, like, because one employee downstairs is working late, you know, they're going to complain to the boss, or not the boss, the, uh, like, the building manager or the owner, and then all of a sudden, it's an issue mm-hmm. for us. And, like, the building owner doesn't care. It's not like they're not getting, they're not making any money off of us having, you know, 100 people in a room for yeah. a show. They just, they want the tenants to be happy. Yeah. Ugh. Why does uh why does sharing sharing art have to be so complicated? And also I guess why did music have to get so loud? Maybe that's maybe that's the <laughs> other part of the problem. Yeah, maybe Yeah. Maybe getting amplification involved at all was the downfall. I don't like music to be too loud. <laughs> I don't like music. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, a good so, like 90 dB. So that's, that's actually so that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation to have with you actually. Um as we move forward here, I have noticed a lot and I understand that this is probably a good thing in the long run, but a lot of shows that I've gone to particularly in bigger venues, like, um, like a stage AE or uh, Mr. Smalls or like some of the stuff I've done out of town in some bigger venues. It's like, I can feel that the room is being mixed lower intentionally mm-hmm. and I get that it feels better, but also there's something kind of weird about like seeing fucking like, death angel and testament and just being able to like have a conversation seem like it. it's like a tv <laughs> volume you know what i mean and you still have like all the big lights and all this stuff but it's like yeah comfortable and it's like okay i i know i shouldn't romanticize going deaf but there's still part of me that's like i thought we were at like a rock show mm-hmm. i don't care i mean i'm sure like i i don't think you're much of like a a, a death metal guy to begin with maybe you are I'm not at like a huge fan but yeah. I, I appreciate it i, sure, I so. will enjoy a show for sure but i feel like just you're being like a live sound engineer you probably just have like 
a much different perspective of like ear fatigue and the way that a room should sound and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately the trick is just like, cause I mean, talking about that show that that testament show at stage AE, like it, at, at first I noticed I'm like, Oh wow, this room's mixed really low. This is weird. But like two songs in, you're not thinking about it anymore. Like you do adjust. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, what is uh, you've mentioned that you like a good 90 yeah. db you like a, a that's a, loud a, a comfortable room yeah yeah but it's not like it's not gonna hurt you totally like some of these like uh dance music shows oh yeah yeah, yeah. outrageous like 110 db 115 like you're hurting people like it's actually like harming yeah well i think that one thing that's been really interesting with me doing like the out of town DJ gigs and I get complimented a lot on like the volume that I send out to front of house and the way that I control. Cause like, I don't want to blow out their fucking PA. I'm not trying to be super loud. I understand that the room is loud and I guess all the time from sound engineers and city to city to city, it's always like every other DJ that we have that does dance nights is like, just cranking it up super loud in the middle of the set and they just want it so loud on stage. It's never loud enough. And I'm just like, I don't know. They must <laughs> not be like, I just, I just don't understand where that comes from. I think it just comes from lack of experience for the most part. I guess if I'm fucking in my early twenties and I haven't lived through it yet, maybe yeah. louder does seem better. I wonder if it's like, maybe they're already deaf. It could be that, but it could also be like, if you don't feel it, it's not influencing you mm -hmm. to put on a better show. So, sure. So back to the professionalism, like if you need that, then like you need to go back to the, to the workshop mm. and figure out how to pr provide a better show without needing the support. Yeah. There's been, I've had issues particularly with like any of my hip hop adjacent projects where it's like, I don't need it to be super loud on stage, but if like the drums kick in and I just can't at least somewhat feel the thump, whether it's like from like an acoustic kick drum or like, like a monitor setup, like if like, you know, if there's not like a sub under the stage or something to just help me, like, I don't need to be like rattling in my bones, but <laughs> yeah. just feel it. You know, it make, it does make it hard to kind of get into it because a mm. lot of the times, like I don't want the monitors to be cranked right. or anything, but like having like that feel like you know like i can feel the sub like in my feet and it's helping me keep time just with There's the room to that yeah. you know and i mean it's like you know but now we fucking use in-ears and all this stuff so it's like yeah really easy to stay on but like yeah in earlier days like i can remember that being a thing just like i need to feel the kick drum because like i'm not like a lot of other frequencies are getting lost especially with me moving around as much as I do on a stage. It's that's the one thing. If there's a consistent sort of feel on the stage, no matter where I stand, I can feel the beat. Yeah. Um, Cause like, you know, that's the other thing too. Like a lot of stage monitors, especially like some like cheaper ones, they're very, you know, if you're right in front of it, you're good. But if you step 12 inches over, then it's like, fuck the yeah, whole thing. Nothing there. Yeah. I'm sure that I've been using ears for like the past two years and I'm never going back. Yeah, it's kind of a, a wild game changer. Do, do you feel like it... Do you ever feel like disconnected from the show? Do um, you guys use click too or just an ear? Uh, for certain songs, we do use a click. Yeah. Um, I've 
played with like putting up like audience mics and putting that in the mix, but interesting. Um, I've been be- able to manage without them. Like I started doing that, and just after a while, I realized I didn't need it. Yeah, I for a lot of the the again with like normal creatures, we play we play smaller shows. You know what I mean? We're playing rooms like Cativo or the downstairs at Spirit or like Brillo Box, like that those space rooms, right? But we, um, in October, we got to play on stage AE, main stage. That's a big fucking stage. Yeah. And like you're very separated from the crowd. And that was the first time using in ears that I actually felt a disconnect because yeah. it was like, it's like quiet on that stage just because, like, I mean, they, they really know what they're doing. Like the monitor mix was great. Everything's like, they're pro, you know, mm-hmm. it's a great room. We're you using ears or a wedge. We were using, we had in ear, in ears, but I, I, I'm always a one ear, I use one ear and then still yeah. wedge. But even still, I just felt like disconnected in a much different way. It was like the quietest mix mm-hmm. that I ever had on stage. And like it felt fine, but it was so strange just because of like how much space there was. Like even like uh fucking all of the instruments were way further apart than they normally are. Mm-hmm. So you have that space that you're dealing with. Plus the crowd is further away, you know, and like there's more room to walk around. It was like it was cool, but it was very like disorienting. Like I never been that spaced out you know i mean we practice in like a tight space we <laughs> yeah. play in so many tight spaces and it just changes everything even that you separate everybody an extra five feet ten feet whatever mm-hmm. like wow all the sound is just going in much different places and mm-hmm. the way that i'm used to hearing this in a live environment is it's just different yeah <laughs> acoustics are interesting Live engineering is interesting. Traveling with with bands that like do those those different spaces as sound engineer, it's like getting to be on one of those types of stages. Like the mix is so much easier. Yeah, because I mean, like you're able to, if you have enough space to separate the instruments, they almost isolate themselves to some yeah. degree. You're dealing with a lot less bleed, mm-hmm. I would imagine, from instrument to instrument. Yep, and um. But yeah, it's just like if you're somebody that's like coming from that like no in-ear. Because I mean, with Greywalker, we've played some bigger stages. And that's when it gets weird because we're not using in-ears with Greywalker. It's all just like fucking play and go. (laughs) And it's like you separate everybody out. And it's like, fuck, the the guitar players are so used to hearing each other. So like you're really relying on, well, like we need like a good monitor mix. Yeah. And like dialing it in where we're just so used to like playing places without any maybe there's one <laughs> monitor you know what i mean in a fucking being held up by a trash can at the front of the stage but um <laughs> i had to been, use i had to use a monitor to keep the uh kick drum from sliding forward once nice um, pretty recently nice it's fun i i like yeah i don't know i've like learned so much more unintentionally about like the way sound works just from playing in different spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like really important. Like even like sometimes if I have a gig that I know that like that room's not going to be good, it's still like an interesting challenge. Like, okay, well like what can we do? How can we make this work? And also as I like a band, that, huh? As a band, as a band. Yeah. That's admirable. And like thinking like there's a lot of times like with gray Walker in particular, like, 
You know, it's like, okay, like thinking about like what cabs we're going to bring to a show based on the room instead of always just bringing the same setup or bringing too much. Like we think about that. I'll, I'll run sound for you any day. <laughs> <laughs> if that's your mindset. Yeah. Like that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And like and a lot of that just comes from our experience of just being like, this is too much or this isn't enough and things like that. And like, we yeah. want it to sound good. Like we want to have the best stage levels that we possibly can because yeah. that's only going to be better for everybody else. I think that I like, do not see that a lot. I'm very impressed. By that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what helps with us is the fact that we've been on the opposite end of it where like, you know, we've had to run sound for ourselves and like, mm -hmm. we also like we demo a lot of our own music ourselves. So we're always recording ourselves and mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not the only person that has like somewhat of an audio engineer background in the band. So a lot of us are just cognizant of that. Mm -hmm. And like that translates into normal creatures as well. Cause I mean, me and Evan are in both bands and we're both like really neurotic about like trying to have like a really good live mix. Mm -hmm. I think it just comes from like wanting to do a really good job, but always being put in positions where you don't have an optimal PA or a sound tech that gives a fuck. Mm -hmm. Like we deal with that a lot. So it's yeah. like, okay, well we want, we want to be the best sounding band no matter what. So maybe we don't need full stacks tonight. Maybe we could just bring fucking two twelves. It might not look as tough, but it's going to sound better. There's not a fuck enough room on the stage anyways. Who right. fucking cares? Yeah. You know, so that kind of shit for sure. I always laugh when I see those big, um, like Marshall full stacks, like six of them. And then you take a look behind them, and it's just a facade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a an interesting. Uh, I guess I mean I guess I totally get that like rock aesthetic. Sure, that's yeah. fine. I don't I I I don't mind the props as long as at least one of the speakers is real. <laughs> right. Um. You know, if you're just playing to all backtracks and Millie Vanillying it, you know that might be a little bit questionable. I saw a funny meme today that. Oh, the TikTok one. Yeah, yeah, I saw I, I saw that recently as well. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Yeah, it's a really fair point. All these people lip syncing, getting yeah, millions of views. Sure, but I think that the only different thing is that like it's obvious that they're lip syncing, and people know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that in general, though, there's a deeper conversation to be had about the way that um we unintentionally value inauthenticity <laughs> as a uh, society now in general like it doesn't even matter if something is fake or not like it just matters like how it makes us feel mm -hmm. you know uh so yeah it's like i don't care if that person's really playing that instrument or not i don't care if that singer has fucking backtracks I don't care if uh, this is like a much more like uh, it has nothing to do with music, but like I don't care if that person is like wearing a ton of makeup or if they've had surgeries. Done. Like it doesn't matter. It's it's real to me. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, my my mindset has shifted a bit. Yeah, because I would see like certain people like apparently like performing something live, but like I could tell that that was mimed but like nobody else could and i was like kind of offended a little bit that like they were fooling people but like now i don't know it's so prevalent that like i've lightened up a bit about it yeah i think that you have a lot of people that are 
I think a lot of people, it comes from this because a lot of the time, I think that those people were fully capable of performing what they're performing. Mm-hmm. Like if they're pretending to play what they're playing and they're doing all the right fucking chords or whatever. Okay. It's like, well, you know how to play this, but I think there's this weird striving for perfection that everybody needs like everything to sound absolutely perfect. Like the record, like one thing that I've heard so much more in the past 10 years of my life that I never heard when I was growing up, when I talk to people about music, I've had multiple conversations with people that say that they don't like to go to shows, even if it's bands that they like, because it never sounds as good as the record. That's that's a wild opinion. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter that, you know, you're just seeing somebody perform that you give a shit about or like, yeah. or like you're in this human moment where mistakes may happen. Yeah, I that love that. I do too, but we're old. And, I, and like, that's the thing is like, some people were just like, you know, I, I want, it's like, I like it to be this way. This, you know, artificial, maybe somewhat sterilized, perfect quantized version of this. That's all I want. So I think there's a lot of pressure probably from some of these bigger bands that need to make money playing shows. So it's like, well, we need this to sound good and we Mm. can't rely on rooms or audio engineers. So fuck it. This is going to be like us on a late night show in the fucking 60s. You know, no, no live audio. This is going to be the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, we're back. We're playing two backtracks. Like that's what this is every night in different cities because that's what people want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I can I can easily see both sides of it you know? yeah for sure so like as somebody that um if i remove myself as an entertainer as a creator as a pseudo part-time sound engineer very part-time all of that um and if i could just put myself into the shoes of like i just want to go out and be entertained i want to maybe have a couple drinks hear the songs that i like and just see people playing I could see myself just being so disconnected. I mean, most people probably don't even realize that it's a backtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not thinking, they don't care. They don't give a shit at all. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird, but what what should you do? I don't know. It was, I went to a show recently, um, also at Stage AE. It was um, a lot. It was, you know, remember that band Under Oath? Yeah. So it was them... And they were touring with uh, a few other bands. And it was a really interesting night because you had, um, there was one band that played, I think they're called Bad Omens. And they're, um, they're one of these, I mean, they're like, it's sometimes they're metal and sometimes it's like pretty boy R&B electronics. And then sometimes they kind of blend it. That's like, there's a lot of bands that are kind of doing this now. Mm -hmm. It's like, basically like what kind of evolved out of like some aspects of like emo, you know what I mean? Like, I guess if like, it's kind of like darks kind of gothy, maybe like a modern metal take on like an AFI or my chemical romance, like that kind of a branding thing. They're just doing it now with like using like blending in like modern elements of like what I guess like modern pop and hip hop or R and B is now. Um, Cool idea. The songs are fine. 
they're all like very handsome and they wear matching outfits and they have cool lights and i loved i, I love the i love the gimmick i love a gimmick if you're gonna you know if you're gonna do something like that like really lean into it yeah and they do so respect but it was like horribly obvious that like everything was backtracked everything like i'm talking vocals. Was it because it sounded like super clean yes and that was the thing is that they were the only band on the bill that sounded like that. Yeah. And like, I was like, they're not switching sound engineers throughout the night. You know, at least not that I noticed yeah. it's, they're not switching consoles. It's, it's all the same shit. You know, it was just for whatever reason, they sounded like crystal fucking clear. And then whenever the next band came on, cause I wasn't sure. Cause I was like, okay, well, there was a band that played before them and they're like the opening band. So maybe they got the fucking dollar store mix, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, that happens sometimes, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then they played and I'm like, wow, this sounds like absolutely insane. There's no way. Like that's, a, it's like, even with the vocals, it's like, you could tell a live vocal because you can hear breath and there's distance. Like, Oh, if somebody's moved their mic away, like this, sound like it's right here. Mm -hmm. But There's a lot of that kind of shit going on where like you're seeing, it's like, Either you got like the most fucking intelligent AI compressor on that that could somehow only hone in on the voice <laughs> and like it's somehow connecting or there's some fucking tomfoolery going on. Right? Yeah. And then the band after them went back on and it went it, it sounded like the first band that played again, like which was still a fine mix. Mm -hmm. Right. But compared to it's not CD quality by any means. And I was like, fuck. So goddamn obvious that that band was just so heavy backtracked. Yeah. There's ways to actually make those backing tracks to sound less sterile. Sure. Sure. So yeah. I, 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 yeah, I can, I, I that's something that I honestly try to do a lot with normal creatures. Cause like half of our fucking live show is backtracks just because all of the electronics and shit. And, uh, mm -hmm. no, I'm like very cognizant of like trying to find ways to make that stuff sound more organic. Like even, in our just mixes in general, like when we're doing studio stuff, because it's mm -hmm. always been a pet peeve of mine when bands blend organic and digital instrumentation and it sounds like like oil and vinegar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's ways to like fix that stuff. It's just a matter of like being very specific of the sounds that you choose. And like sometimes you may need to make your not only trying to make your digital sounds sound more organic, but making maybe some of those organic sounds a little more digital and finding a way to like meet in the middle to marry that stuff. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I stepped, you were going to say something. I stepped oh, on no. you again, but yeah, making, making backtracks sound more organic or less sterile, less dry. Have it's, you listened to lo-fi like hip hop stuff? Sure. Some, I mean, I couldn't like name like artists or anything like that. That's like the extreme level of like making a digital sound sound analog sure 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 where you're like cutting off all the high end and you know running it through like um like some like tape some machine tape machine yeah, thing like, yeah. where it has like this wow like warbly ness mm -hmm. to it there's a really cool um plug-in that i forget who makes it but it's called sketch cassette mm -hmm. and basically it's a plug-in that um basically makes your audio sound like it's running through a walkman <laughs> and you can cool. like change really like cool. what kind of batteries are in the walkman you can change uh like all of like your bias stuff um if it like what the what kind of cassette tape it is how wow. old the cassette tape is who makes this i'm gonna check it out oh, fuck i forget who that's the thing it's like i don't remember Called who sketch deck sketch cassette sketch it's a cassette. really cool plugin and it's honestly not very expensive but i use it a lot um 
for like just um you know like if i want to do like um i guess kind of like a like a like a like a it feels like it's a cooler way to do kind of like that under the blanket sort of like if i wanted like a cool like phone effect or a guitar or something like that um i like using sketch your set for because it has like a little bit of the there's like a little bit more character to it um yeah i'm looking up who makes almost definitely going to download this uh Aberrant DSP, this sketch cassette too. But yeah, you could see here. I sh- I should pull this up on the big screen, but fuck it. That's what the plugin looks like. I I love the minimal. Yeah. Design. Did you find a price? Um. Well, so the price is on here, and it is thirty bucks. Easy. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It sounds great, and uh, but yeah, that's very much just like I can imagine just throwing that on your fucking master bus, and <laughs> yeah. just like that's that's the whole thing. That's my sounds, whole aesthetic. Yeah. That's my whole aesthetic. That's you cool. Know? I'm really into lo-fi stuff, and I'm I've been trying to make it. You know, the thing in that's my spare interesting time. about stuff like lo-fi hip hop is I've been thinking a lot more recently about like the intentions behind why we choose specific um, chords or certain melodies and also like working so much in electronics, thinking about like the frequency range of those sounds combined with the chords and the melodies that you're using. And then thinking about like all of this fucking like uh, chakra aligning weird like hippy dippy stuff. But I do think that like, I like the like 432. So like, like, there's all of this stuff, right? And like certain frequencies I'm convinced can make you feel a certain way and certain chord progressions and things can make you feel a certain way. And that's why certain styles of music really lean into different things, but like really trying to be like hyper aware of that to like, uh, like an almost like obsessive degree when like choosing like how you are like mixing a song, like not necessarily in terms of like what should be technically right, but also thinking about that sort of thing. Like how does this sound that's coming out, like actually make me feel. And -hmm. I think that's, what's really cool about a lot of the lo-fi stuff is I think that it's like focusing on these frequencies that are like kind of like calming in a weird way, Mm -hmm. as far as like whatever, like again, with that like hippy dippy shit, and like all of the harshness is taken out of it. So it like almost makes it like that combined with the um sort of like the mantra like repetitiveness of like the rhythms. Mm-hmm. It like it's like a um it's like a hip way to meditate yeah. in a weird way, you know? Uh and it's interesting to think about that. And I think that's a mindset that could be applied to any genre of music in a really productive way. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about that. Anytime I drive downtown, I listen to it. It's a really good nice good vibe. Nice, you need it because driving downtown <laughs> it can be stressful. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the reason that uh-huh. I started listening to it down yeah. driving downtown, but like it's just like cool to see like you know city life in that lens. You know? Totally. Totally. Like it put it puts you into a different city. Yeah. You know? It's interesting the the power that things like music has when combined with environment. Mhm. And um, again, that's maybe something that like a lot of people maybe don't always think about. And I think sometimes that's why maybe I have issues with something like going back to Deutschtown, where it's like 
live music environment, all of this stuff needs to be symbiotic. And like, I understand the idea of like, oh, like it might be fun to have heavy metal bands playing, you know, in the back of a fucking Hungarian restaurant in Deutschtown <laughs> or whatever they do. But it's like the environment is off. Mm-hmm. So now the vibes are going to be fucking all off. And how is anybody really going to like, not that many people ever think about like the comfort and locking in to like the uh, locking into a vibe of being at like a heavy metal show, but there definitely is a lot to that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to see heavy metal bands outside and I don't know. It just doesn't work. Like there's yeah. like, the, the 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 dots aren't connecting in a way that I think is productive. Yeah. And I think it's the way that live music should be presented all the time. Or at all. I see that. But again, I overthink <laughs> fucking everything. If that's not blatantly obvious already. It's just like I don't know. I don't know. I'm not asking for much, Brandon. I don't think you are. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how long this is going to be. There's definitely been a couple tirades that I'm going to cut out. Um, and <laughs> fuck them. But uh, I guess the one thing to kind of maybe just like wrap up this recorded discussion because we can mm. hang as long as we want to hang or don't want to hang. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, uh, as far as the listeners go, I don't want to subject them to too much more than, <laughs> you know, maybe an hour or so of content, right? So, the last thing that I want to ask you is re- in regards to this. Um, what was the thing that you said happened? Uh, Carvid, Carvin, Carmen, COVID, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I still got to look into that and see what that was. But this COVID thing. So, yeah. um, in a in a in a post COVID environment, like where do you see like live entertainment in Pittsburgh? Because there's like, you know, some venues have started doing stuff again. Yeah. Um, which is great. Some of venues have started doing stuff again that were maybe going to close and now they're open again. And I kind of still wish they were closed, but <laughs> looking at you, Cativo, <laughs> I don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> like I'm glad people are there making money. The PA is not bad. The sound people are fine. There's just something about that space I've always felt. I've never felt comfortable in that room once in my fucking life. I don't know what it is. There's like bad energy about it. But anyways, you don't got to comment on that. I'm just... I'm, <laughs> I have no skin in that game. I'm just being incredibly transparent, which may or may not... What the fuck? You know, is the Cativo police going to come break my fucking <laughs> legs? What's going to happen? Um, anyways, I'm glad that they're open. Everybody should be making money. Yeah. Um, but like, again, what is your... like? feel of the scene now are you even like really that tied in because no, of the gigs that you're doing i haven't worked a venue since that karma place outside which was however long ago oh boy three plus years ago what happened with that uh if, 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 if we can because honestly um actually i thought that room had potential yeah it was a little there was like it was a little logistically inconvenient in some ways, but I thought it was cool, but it definitely had that. Like, it's just going to be a nightclub or a concert venue type vibe, which it didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah. But yeah, what ended up happening? Cause I mean, that place is technically that there's stuff happening there, but it's just a night, a nightclub again. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's ultimately what they wanted to be. And the person that was owning it, like 
kind of wanted to be, you know, reach into rock because that's where he came from. Yeah, I think that I had this discussion recently where I was talking with, fuck, I don't remember who it was, but it's an episode that already aired uh, at this point. It hasn't been out yet, but that's, again, I'm over explaining. Um, we were talking about the South Side mm-hmm. in particular and how like it used to be like, you know, kind of like a tiny little mecca for rock clubs. Was it uh, the Vindies? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't with Jackie. That okay. was um this episode. It was somebody that I was talking to recently and I know I haven't even released oh, the episode aired. yet. Okay. Um, but um, the... There used to be, you know, a lot of cool rock clubs in the South Side. And I think ultimately it's just more financially viable to just do dance nights. Yeah. Because you can get away with charging more for liquor. You don't got to fucking worry about paying bands and all this other fucking shit. And like, it's just easier. Yeah. But the downside of that is you let things get out of control and then all of a sudden you got girls on your roof sticking bottles in their hoochies. You know what I'm saying? Like quite literally, that's what's happening. So, (laughs) so like, I don't know. Is it, is it, is the juice worth the squeeze is what I'm asking. I guess if you're, you know, if you don't have any morals, yeah. Um, but I mean, any venue, like, the way you make money is selling liquor. Like it's not yeah. the music. The music is always in. So do we have to normalize spending more money on alcohol in the rock scene? I think we should spend more money on tickets. Okay. I like, was, I was making, I was making a silly <laughs> statement and then you have to go get all serious <laughs> on me. But yes, no, I agree. I think with $10, that, $10 tickets in this well, day and age is like, that sucks for a musician. Well, that's the funny thing is like, I agree with you. It's like now it's like I've like I feel guilty still putting ten dollars on a flyer. Yeah. And one and something that should be fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I it's think like, it should be twenty minimum. You got fucking it's the thing. It's just I think a lot of people for whatever reason, I understand that like twenty bucks is a lot of money. But everything's fucking expensive. You're gonna fucking yeah. come in here and you're gonna spend twenty bucks on two beers. Yeah. Or two drinks. Maybe yeah. more than that. If a fucking like where the fuck can you get a cocktail in Pittsburgh for 10 bucks? What gets you more value? Well, that's and the other thing too is like, so you're telling me, <laughs> right, that you you support me as an artist and all this stuff, but you don't want to pay more than 10 bucks to see me, but you'll pay more for a cocktail that you're gonna drink yeah. in fucking five minutes. And rub it in your face. Yeah. As as you're performing. Yeah, which is fine. Let the bar make their money and all that stuff. But it's like, I think that the way that we frame it is, you know, differently. You know, maybe it's like, oh, like price of admission. Uh, I, how did, I, I don't know. I was going to try to make some joke of like, oh, like for the cost of fucking four PBRs, you can support four bands. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's just like, you know, you charge 10 bucks to get into a show, right? And say you have three bands playing. And if you, if you're able to keep all that door money, then I guess for the sake, we'll say four bands just so it's an even more even math type thing. Right. Uh, is that even? Four? Yeah. 
Anyways, you get what I'm saying. I'm not going to start you doing all the math. You lost me Okay, but you know what I mean. Like, you split up the money. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So, like, really, you know, what you're telling me at the end of the day, it's like, even though you're paying 10 bucks to get in, you know, a lot of the times it's like, well, the venue might take two bucks and then each of those bands takes two bucks, right? If you split it up like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're just telling me that like my value to you to come out is $2, but you'll gladly spend whatever on alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not to like shame or dismiss or anything like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's been like, nobody's been successful at like uh, articulating that nuance Mm -hmm. to the normal person to make them understand. Yeah. I mean, I think now it might be a little bit easier because we're like in a time where socially everybody's like, we deserve more, better pay and all that sort of thing too. Um, So I think uh, musicians have a harder time than, you know, basic. Oh, totally. The like 15 minimum wage. Well, that's again. Yeah. It's like, we still feel guilty about like, I feel guilty about putting $10 on a show flyer. Meanwhile, I know that the places that we're playing, you know, they're, they're charging so much for whatever, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, okay, at minimum, it's like, say you're playing somewhere like, uh, the minimum that your show should be the price, the minimum price for your show should be the average price of a drink at that bar at minimum. And sure, yeah. there's a scale. Like, so say maybe you're playing, like you're a punk band playing at the rock room, and maybe the average price of a drink at the rock room is five bucks. Then, okay, minimum price for that show, five bucks. That maybe makes sense. But if you're playing a show at what would be like Spirit, I mean, the average price of a drink at Spirit's probably like 10 or 11 bucks. Yeah. So, like, charging anything less than that is, it seems very silly mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I agree. You agree. <laughs> come, come I, I, I will take for, it another level and, and your, charge double. Well, no, I mean, well, that's the thing, too. So we're talking about like, like I'm talking like bare minimum, right? Yeah. You're starting to get into like profits in yeah. business. Yeah. I mean, like that's with like, you know, playing in a metal band, right? Like a big thing for us is merchandise and T-shirts. Yeah. You know, on average, our shirts cost maybe five bucks per unit to make and we sell them for 20 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, we're making four times our money on the merch, which, I mean, that's good. And charging 20 bucks for a t-shirt is still like, that's reasonable. And in some degrees, that's pretty cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially for like something that might be like a four or five color screen print shirt, like, you know, good quality. Cool. Um, But still, it's like, you know, there's still that like, I don't know what it is. It may, it mostly exists in like rock, punk, metal, like all of these like underground subcultures where they're still like romanticizing DIY and um, which is a good thing and romanticizing like accessibility and inclusiveness in terms of like price points, which is also a good thing. I don't want somebody to feel like they can't fucking come to my show because they don't have 20 bucks, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, where do we meet in the middle? How do we make this work? I remember when I was like, young like even when shows were five bucks and like i was just starting out like doing rap shows like i would always make posts i was like look like 
I'm doing this show. If you don't have money to get in, let me know. Like you can either, I can either just like get you in. You can like do merch for me. You can help something like, like I don't want you not having money to prevent you from coming out to a show. If you genuinely want to be at the show. Mm-hmm. And like, I still like have that mindset where it's like, I don't want people to feel like price skated out of something, but also the majority of the people that are coming out to a show, especially at like somewhere like spirit, like they could pay 15 bucks. They could pay 20 bucks. Yeah. Easily. If they actually give a shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. <sighs> we'll find, we'll figure it out at some point. I, think, I don't think there's anything to figure out. I think it's just a matter of doing it and just making yeah. it the norm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is like because like a lot of the times like people have these ideas for things and they're just kind of waiting for somebody else to do it and that's not even like in music that's just life in general but like you really like somebody just kind of has to be the person to start doing that stuff yeah like I was fucking surprised because we're playing uh, Black Forge's seven year anniversary oh wow and they're charging 35 bucks yeah but they have like fucking there's like a dozen bands playing on that thing. That sounds like a, a good value. Yeah. But it's still like there like I saw it and I was like, man, that's kind of like that's a crazy price point. But then I think about it and I'm like, actually, that's probably still like not enough money for the amount of bands that are playing on the show. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm I fully support it too. And I'm curious to see like I haven't heard anybody complain about it. I'm yeah. sure the show is going to be well attended and I hope it is because that would be like a good thing to see. Like, oh yeah, people are willing to come out and pay for it. I think the the key is just make sure that you're giving them a good fucking show. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely, I can think of plenty of lineups off the top of my head of bands that I wish weren't bands that I wouldn't pay 20 bucks to see. <laughs> but um, a lot of that too is just like, I don't know, knowing maybe some of that stuff might help um I don't want to say thin the herd. That sounds a little elitist. <laughs> but you know, like... You're not going to get into like overpopulation talk, are you? Not necessarily overpopulation, <laughs> but maybe like... There can be sometimes a bit of an option paralysis sort of thing going on when you have like all of these fucking bands playing shows on the same night or ding-dongs like, okay, let's talk more shit on places. The Bridge... Uh, op- it's a opening up in East Liberty, right? It's like a new music venue. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm not gonna actually talk shit on this place because, um, as far as I know, everybody there seems nice, right? So, this Friday, there's like I have three shows on my calendar that I want to go to that are in like a similar style of music. These are bands that are friends with each other, and they're all playing in different parts of the city. And then on top of that. This bridge place is like they're getting ready to open. They're doing their just a musicians meetup, like a scene meetup event on Friday night when there's already fucking like a half dozen other shows going on. It's like shows are musician meetups. We don't need a separate thing for this. Like we're just kind of like really splitting hairs. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I guess like this really has nothing to do with ticket prices, but it just triggered my brain and I'm just kind of firing. Yeah. It's just like one of those things where it's like, I'm glad that the venue's opening. And uh yeah, you can do a meetup to bring people there. Doing on a, it on, on a Tuesday? Friday night. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tuesday. Yeah. That works. Yeah, that yeah, that's I like it kind of was like, like I don't know, like I hate the idea of like these meetups. Just yeah. go to a show. Yeah. 
like like oh like all these people in the metal metal scene want to do something like oh okay find a metal show that's happening that night and I'll fucking go support the fucking venue support the fucking bands community but like a big part of the problem is I don't know a lot of people I mean I get it as a business they've put all of this fucking work in the building this place out and I'm sure that it's cute and uh you know they want people to come see it I get it Mm-hmm. But again, there's already so much going on, and just the idea of like, I just late but, July too. Like but what everything? Are they, what are they gonna so do? Many you know, going I mean, on. they have to do something. They got to yeah. get people to come out. They've put money into it. They got to get people in the room and blah blah blah. It's just yeah, I don't know. Again, me overanalyzing. That's really <laughs> that's my entire life. I think I think about everything in like, um, I wouldn't say the worst possible light, but it's not always the most positive. You're just a cynic. I am, am I? I am too. Yeah, I guess so. Just look at things, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm the way I'm, they should be. I'm consistently weary of people's intentions. I think is what it boils down to. I mean, it's valid. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of snakes in in this sure. industry. Sure, sure, too sure, many. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I I feel bad because like a play, like I like I'm looking forward to checking out this place like again like i didn't mean to like throw the bridge under the bus for booking their musicians meetup event but it's kind of like if somebody asked me how i felt about it if they one of them did i'd be like well this is my answer yeah why are you doing this and um i know that like uh one of the people there who's like booking a lot of shows has been trying to get one of my bands to play and like i want to play your room i would love to but like i also don't want to be like a guinea pig in a new venue at the same time i can understand that which i feel like I maybe said in a less rude way to them, but also it was like a strange thing where it was like, we had gotten email and they were like, what, like what weekends are you available this year to play? And I'm like, I have a fucking full-time job and I DJ and I fucking three as I don't fucking know. I don't want to go through my whole fucking calendar right now to find a weekend. I don't know. It's just like a weird way to ask. Just like, tell me a date. Cause like, then it feels like then like, there's a weird pressure on my shoulders where I'm like, Oh, Okay my band is available on the weekend of like September 25th. If that's a weekend, I don't know, but let's say that's the date. And then all of a sudden they put together an event based on my availability. And now the weight is on my shoulders to like, cause I mean, that's the thing too. I get that. They probably are trying to find bands that are going to bring people out to shows. But the flip of that right now is like, my bands have played enough fucking shows this year. The cachet is tapped out right now. You know, if we play another fucking show, nobody's going to come. They've fucking seen us this year. We got to, the well's dry right now. <laughs> so like leaning on me to like bring people, this is like, it's just not it's like, I don't want to waste your time right now. And I don't even know what the space is going to be like. Again, overthinking. Yeah. Can I bring up a point of pain? Absolutely selling pre-sale tickets for more than it is at the door via Who does that via uh like ticketing fees uh, and like service charges yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And serving serving this exact same price like the base price at the door and then saying why aren't your pre-sales high nobody's an idiot yeah. they see the surcharges I'm like well it's just gonna be 10 bucks at the door so Totally. It's not going to sell out. 
And also, I think that like I personally too have an issue with the way that like a lot of modern digital ticketing is in terms of like, oh, now I got to fucking download this app and create an account for fucking AXS or Eventbrite or fucking Ticketmaster or fucking StubHub or like, and then like, yeah, there's just all this extra work to have this fucking QR code. And then it's like, I'm like insanely like, I overthink things as I've said 10,000 times already. Now I'm overthinking about overthinking, but like, I'm the type of person where it's like, okay, yes, like before the show, I will remember to take a screenshot of the QR code and I have it on my phone, but a lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. So it just slows down the process of getting people in the fucking door. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it does make more sense to just walk to a door and give somebody a fucking credit card like here. Yeah. It's cheaper. It's quicker. It's, <laughs> it's less so work. Quicker. And like, most people know that these shows aren't going to fucking... Most shows don't sell out not, anymore. Not this year. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to sell out a fucking show because a lot yeah. of people are still, you know, on the offense about going out to places. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally get it. And, like, I've always been so curious about, like, like what the fuck is the service charge? It's like, you know, like, oh, well, it costs money to run a website and shit like that. But it's only concert tickets. I could buy a fucking T-shirt off a website i don't get a service charge i could Mm -hmm. buy a fucking xlr cables or fucking shoes i could order groceries to my fucking house deliver food delivery all these places are using websites these are the same infrastructure Mm -hmm. you're not even fucking mailing me anything anymore you're just emailing me an automatically generated qr code yeah what are we paying for no you're you're what is the service this is all fucking automated yeah it's a great point. I can't. I used to be so fucking pissed because the only closest thing to this that I can remember happening in recent history was for a long time, Duquesne Light made you pay a service charge to pay your bill online. It was like a $3 service charge to pay your bill online. They took they, they the, al- right. the alternative is paying through the mail. Yeah. Sending a check or something like that, which actually costs them more money. Yeah, I guess they have to have somebody go. Yeah. Like, I to don't the bank. I don't, I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I think it's it's just the only thing is like, well, they can just make an extra three bucks per person. Yeah. Oh, it's a service charge. Yeah. It's they don't like, have to explain it. Yeah. And that's the, the thing with like all of the, the ticketing stuff. Yeah. Like the fees are insane. I get that it's always like, that's the thing too. It's not like with like the Duquesne light thing. I think it was always like a set like $3 regardless of if my light bill was fucking 20 bucks or 200. Right. But with like, places like Ticketmaster, it's like a percentage, mm-hmm. right? So it's like 15, 20 percent, whatever it is. And that's like fucking insane, yeah. especially for like, you'll hear people that are like, oh, like I want to buy tickets to this fucking festival. The fucking tickets, $300 for the weekend. And then you're getting like a fucking $80 surcharge on top of it. That's an insane amount of money for what? Yeah. Where does that go? Like behind the the scenes, I've heard and seen some things about where those surcharges go and and it's just, it's going in people's pockets. That's really it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not paying for anything. It's just extra, extra fiddle faddle. (laughs) Wasn't that like a snack? Uh Uh-huh. It was like a little sticky kind of uh, (laughs) caramely popcorn and like peanuts sort of thing. You think it still exists? Fiddle Faddle exists. I didn't know Choco Tacos existed until today. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like up in arms. Yeah. Because they can't get fucking uh, 
something free- they haven't eaten yeah, in yeah, 10 years. Yeah, fucking <laughs> freezer burnt waffle cone <laughs> ice cream. I remember like that's like one of those things that I don't remember the last time I had a Choco Taco, maybe like 10 years ago or something. And I remember before I, then I had probably not had one in like 15 years, like since I was a child. And I remember like I I liked them when I was a kid. And then I had one as an adult and I was like, oh, it was like 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 watching an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark again as an adult or something like it's just <laughs> like, yeah, like your nostalgia uh, can really play tricks on you. I mean, it happens with like old records like, oh, fuck, I haven't listened to that record in forever. I loved it when I was a kid. And you put it on. You're like, woof. Not, <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? A lot of old Green Day records. Oh, the mix. Wow. Sure. Really bad. Sure. Actually found some like stems of like old like Foo Fighters and, and Green Day okay. stuff and like tried to make it sound better than the interesting the old record. Yeah. Which Green Day record? Uh, Dookie was the one where there was like a turning point. Yeah. And then Kerplunk before that oh, garbage sure. mix. Yeah. So all their stuff on like that was Lookout Records. Is that the label they were I think on? So yeah. Yeah. So there was like what 39th Smooth whatever and then Kerplunk. Yeah. And then good. Warning was like the first like oh this is like an actual like good mix. Oh yeah. Okay. So there was Dookie. Well then they, they had um Insomniac. Yeah. Was a cool record. That I, had, I, don't, uh, I don't remember the mix on what it. What was but the one? The Nimrod. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I remember that song but I don't know what album that's Hitching on. Hitching a Ride? Was that was that song was called? I don't remember. I I, I I I don't remember. It was on Nimrod. Yeah. But those were all cool records. Yeah. But also, I, I, I don't know. I never like, I, w- I, I will, I, I think if I ever listen to Green Day, I'm never like, oh, okay, like, let's have like, <laughs> try a, to analyze the, let's have a, a pleasant sonic experience. <laughs> you know, I just kind of, it's just something that gets thrown on, you know? Um, fuck, man. Dookie, that was the first CD I ever bought. I had it on cassette. Hell yeah. No, I, still one of my favorite albums to this day, despite re- my feelings about the mix. It's a good record. I mean, the songs are good. I think it has the right energy. And I also love the story of like, they recorded it really quickly too, mm-hmm. um, which is no excuse for a poor mix. But I think for the time, I mean, it's serviceable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. It has attitude at least. I'll say that. That record does have like a good attitude to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it sounds very much... Like, I don't know, you could put that on and like, I, it's one of those records where like you could feel like you're just in a room with dudes playing music. Yeah. You know, it's like there's some intensity from the symbols that could have been taken down, but you know, you feel like you're really there next he's to the kit. Them, he's hitting them pretty hard. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure who, whose fault that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's only, there's only so much you could do. And I think that like, that was an interesting time too, of just like, the, the early 90s and like you're starting to get into like um some of the first remnants of like like a digital workflow in a studio space on like a much different level than mm-hmm. what it what then it's much different than what it is now but it was also a lot different than what it had been right mm-hmm. it's, you're in that transitional phase so when all of, whenever you have anything like that like you have a lot of people pushing things to the limit like even like the music videos of that era like everything's like oversaturated because like they have like this they're able to like record film like even like getting like stuff digitally Mm -hmm. like 
being able to tape digitally on a professional level and record digitally and like, yeah, just the whole thing like, oh, like working in like a digital audio workstation and the whole idea of like, oh, I don't need like a hardware compressor anymore. I can just get this like, I have, a, there's a computer thing that emulates this fucking preamp and you're just like, you know, fucking with it and like it works, but it has like, you know, digital stuff now is insane. Like, yeah. How good a lot of stuff sounds now and how it emulates things. It's scary. Yeah. But there was some dark times and like there's a lot of remnants of it in a lot of those records. Yeah. I think. Uh there's a lot of talk amongst the like sound engineer community about how bad the effects are on the X32. Still. Okay, that's Behringer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's the same. Or Midas, it's, right? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're all they're that. The, yeah, okay, yeah. Um but it's the same on the M32 too. Okay. The M32 as well. Yes. Um, so what's the difference between outside of like the branding? Do they have like a lot of the same components or is there different like the preamps? preamps? The preamps are a lot better on the M32. Okay. Yeah. So that's the that's the main selling point between those two then? Yeah. There's not much of a difference other than that like like, an like ele- difference. There's that elevated like control panel. Mm, yeah. Um that gives you a little bit better workflow rather than like mm-hmm. heaving over top of a console and not paying attention to the band saying like guitar down, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so talk in the community about the effects. Not good. <laughs> Got it. Uh, uh, we we just make fun of it, yeah, because it's just such a a common console, and like we rarely use the rack effects in it. Mm-hmm. I just bought um for the practice space downstairs um uh Soundcraft U twenty four. It's like a, it's just like a, um, just a wireless digital mixer with like all a rack mount one. Yeah, rack mount one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the interface like on that? Is that well, clunky there, or? Well, so I mean, there. It's just like it's basically just like a. Um, there's no like interface. It's just the fucking. I meant the app. Oh, the app. So the yeah. app is interesting because it's all through a website, so you don't actually download anything. I remember learning about this. Um, and it works fine. Yeah. Um, you know, like the workflow is good. I think on their end, it probably makes sense because it's a lot easier to do updates and things like that. And just the way that it, I would imagine from a logistical standpoint on their end, it's, uh, a lot less of a nightmare than having to constantly update an app or worry about apps operating differently on different, uh, operating systems. It's been a nightmare with X32s, by the way, with, uh, with their their apps. Okay. Yeah. I think the apps in general like that was something I was like really sketched out about, but having the web browser thing, I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's see how it works. And, um, really smooth workflow, easy to set up. Uh, the app's cool. Um, the effects that are in it, I've like, haven't really used them too much outside of like the, the gate seems to work, be pretty like responsive and easy to use and a little bit of reverb. It's reverb. It sounds okay. It's not Mm -hmm. like too, um, I, I, I like to call it, um, I like I I I base my reverbs on how much they sound like a uh, a dryer, <laughs> like somebody screaming into a dryer. <laughs> it's like does this is like you know does this sound like is like there's like some like reverbs that are very metallic sounding and then some that are very just like actually just sounds like the earth, mm-hmm. you know like open space mm-hmm. and it it's not too metallic. So I don't know. There's a lot of things that you can do to adjust most reverbs to make them sound less metallic, but it depends on the options that they give you in the 
and there's a lot of options in the soundcraft so yeah uh yeah so far i dig it and like yeah i mean it remembers settings i like pulled it up on my phone and it had the same settings in the in the browser already so it's all connected i guess somehow storing whatever inside of the device itself somehow do you use that for an in-ear mix or no um so our so my our live setup i'm only using okay i'm over explaining again so for art for normal creatures for art backtracks actually this is this so this is one thing we're going to do i'm not familiar with normal creatures so, what's the setup like on that one I guess we'll keep talking. Fuck, maybe this is interesting to somebody. <laughs> I was gonna like stop recording and be like, I'll tell you about this, but okay. So the the normal creature setup for our backtracks. Um, I'm running uh so I have a laptop, and then the laptop is running, uh all my audio is running through a uh focus right, uh Scarlet 1820, like one of those like the standard rack mount ones. Mm-hmm. And then uh I use Reaper. So Reaper is controlling all of my MIDI, my DMX lighting, my projector stuff, video. I really want to talk to you about this stuff because I want to get into that with, yeah. with Piff Floyd. So uh, it's, I'm running all of that through <laughs> MIDI plus all my backtracks. And I run all of the backtracks. Um, like I have like a, um, like auxiliary drums, backing guitars, backing vocals, all on separate channels. And I route them all to the necessary outputs on the focus right. Mm-hmm. And then also in my rack case, I have two, I forget what model they are, but they're basically rack mount DI boxes that Behringer makes. So they have four DIs on mm-hmm. them. I have two of those. So I have eight outs. So six of those outs are routed to my backtracks. And then the other two I use for the in-ears. So I'm running all of, um, the in-ears through there. So it's like different mixes for different people if they want them. Um, and then I always have two open channels. Most of the time in most venues that we play, I will just dumb it down to a, a simple stereo mix because a lot of the time uh, sound and in-ears don't give a fuck. I'm like, like, Hey, you know, like I mean me personally, I'd be like, Hey, like I'm going to give you backtracks, but I'm going to be separating out, the synth and the guitar and the vocals so you can mix it better in the room. And a lot of times engineers just don't want to work. So that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I get it. But you know, I was like, I'm just trying to make this sound better. Uh, so long answer to your question, the, um, the in-ears are run from those DI outs bef- and they don't even touch front of house. Mm-hmm. So now to answer your question for in-ears, we don't run any live sound into the in-ears it's we only use it for click and for backtracks okay um now maybe down the road because now that i have that soundcraft and we have i have more auxiliary outs to play with i'll probably experiment some with seeing like okay maybe we want to try running some other stuff through but for the most part because of our setup which with the normal creatures is like it's it's like a full band hip hop sort of thing. We used to play a Sykes and a New Violence, which we played. Okay, so that's it's what the that same band, band. turned it's the same into. Band. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so that's for then I am familiar. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So it's the same band. We just changed the name. Okay. Um. So yeah, you know, like what that what that setup and the style is. Yeah. So um, 
but yeah, I would like to, I like the idea of down the road experimenting more with that sort of like full band mix in the ear and stuff like that. But I already know, like, like I don't like hearing myself in my ears already. Maybe I just got to get used to it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I know Mandy doesn't like it. Um, Justin's very happy to hear himself playing bass. I can tell you that. Uh, so, but yeah, it's again, most of the spaces that we play, um, we're not headlining shows, you know, we're in between bands. So it's, they're short sets. You got to set up quick, tear down quick. And we already have like more of a stage production than is necessary. Mm -hmm. But like I have like all of my lights or everything's 100% wireless. I bought like wireless battery packs for everything and wireless DMX. So I can like turn everything on. It's literally just set it on stage and everything's ready to talk to each other. Um, and then like, you know, there's no way to do a quick projector setup. You just can't. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you I've just, seen you do it. It's gone up pretty quick. I forget what show it was. I appreciate that. You weren't, the final act yeah i, I know you, you came on like second to last and you got that shit up it was you were by yourself by the way oh at karma yeah i remember that yeah, yeah. you got that shit up pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> well i guess yeah too if you're if you're by yourself and you still have like 10 15 minutes to set up and yeah. you don't got to juggle other ding dong setting up here on stage <laughs> yeah. you could do it kind of quick that's yeah. always the issue is just like yeah. That time that like you're waiting an extra 10 seconds here and there because somebody's doing something you got to get in and you got to move around. Yeah. But yeah, that was a very long answer to this, yeah. to that question. Uh, I have a rack mount 32 channel input mixer mm -hmm. that runs off an app and we use that in pit Floyd now and we're all on in ears and we all have our own separate mixes and yeah. it's been pretty nice. Honestly, I'm curious about like, because like I also like I'll have to just I could I'll just take you downstairs and show you it once we stop recording. So because cool. like also like I'm running like I kind of I, I left out something from the mix where it's like so technically all of the outputs from the focus right are actually going into a Tascam MZ233 rack mount mixer. And then from that they're going into the DI outs because with the Tascam, it has three separate aux sends. So I use those as my three stereo sends. So I'm able to control by hand without having to fuck with an app or fuck with the DAW, all the volume levels and like control how loud something is going through channels one and two and, you know, three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. And I can also control the volume of the in-ears from that as well. So I'm not fucking with a computer or an app. It's all yeah. hard, which makes it. So for a while, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's too loud. And like, yeah, I could just turn it down in Reaper, but like on the fly, right? It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And also, I can't fucking just bring like a, you know, like I don't want like some fucking like I can't bring like a whole like like mixer with me or something. I mean, you could, but I don't yeah. want to do that. So yeah, that little MZ233 is really cool. Boy, we're in the weeds on this nerdy <laughs> shit, boy. That's what I hope to do today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're in it. So, okay. Well, this is the thing. We've been recording for quite a bit. So, uh, I know that you have a band, mm -hmm. Pit Floyd, we had mentioned. Yeah, Probably Pit got Floyd. a show coming up August something. 27th at 19 North in Washington, PA. Okay, cool. 
That's one of those places that I'm just like, wow, terrible name. <laughs> but I'm sure it's great. I'm just I'm just here throwing shade, man. That's all right. Uh, no, it's, it's just not. Is it on 19 North? What's that name I, mean? Yeah, I think it's pretty close to the okay to the road. Yeah, okay to the That's Route cool. 19. Well, I wish him nothing but luck. I just <laughs> I hate places that are named shit like that. There's like that place, and there's like Tower 29 or uh, fucking. I'm just making up names. Oh, okay, I think that, that I played somewhere close to something close to that Tower 29 or 21 or like fucking Infinity 32, <laughs> fucking. 412 concert club coming soon. The bridge. Oh, that's uh, God. I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus, but that name sucks too. Whatever. It works. Yeah. Who the fuck am I? I always, my show is called start the beat or start the wheat. Now, I guess <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I always Whatever. said, if you, if you had uh, the word premium in your name, your floors were sticky. Ooh. Yeah. So if you're a premium nightclub, What if there was a club just called Premium? It would just be a a layer of sh- melted sugar, <laughs> a creme brulee floor. Uh huh. But that that almost sounds like a like a selling point. Like if this was like HGTV, like in the creme brulee flooring, <laughs> yeah. really adds a uh, you know personality to the space. Yeah. God, let's stop this podcast, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well. Okay, so for um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess just to wrap up this podcast properly. Thanks for coming over. Thank you. This for has been me. a conversation. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. This cool. was a podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Fucking dorks. <laughs> Sorry if I if I upset anybody. I was. <laughs> I was being a little mean this episode. And we're done. Goodbye. <laughs>